Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the fifth quarter studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, happy Thursday, episode 725. We're getting there. Another, another We're getting there. <laughs> we get 750, we'll be three-fourths of the way there to 1,000. I can't even imagine what we're going to do when we get to 1,000. But anyway, um, we're going to do part two with Will today about building a program. Before we do that, I'd like to give a big shout out to Dr. Dish, um, the number one stream machine in the market. These people have been around. Their customer service is second to none. Go over and mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. I can guarantee you their customer service is second to none because you're going to get me. <laughs> you're not going to get somebody else. You're going to get me. If you have a question, you're going to get me. If you want to get on a call, you're going to get me. <clears throat> and I'm not going to edit this out, even though a frog went down my throat. Because this is how much it means to me. Come over and join us at teachhoops.com. Become a better basketball coach. Just like we want our players to work on their craft, I'm challenging you right now work on your craft. Come on over and join us. Let's head off to the podcast. My humble belief again is that in AAU, you've lost the, the understanding that it's developed. It is. I swear to God, it should be against a law to play zone. Like, yeah, that I've, I've been pushing hard. Even when I was an AAU coach, yeah, that's I was what I pushing meant. hard yeah. Yeah. to eliminate zone and eliminate the press until the fourth grade at least. At I'd least, six, at least it should be middle school, probably. But yes, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I was pushing for sixth grade, but uh, they still haven't done it. Um, intensity is a staple of everything we do. That has to start at the top. You have to be intense from the top. And intense is so often, I believe, misunderstood. Intense doesn't mean angry. Intense doesn't uh, in your grill. I don't believe that that has to. Intensity is passion on fire, in my mind. You're literally taking your you're passing, you're up, or up and at a level, and you're saying, I'm going to be the baddest son of a gun on the floor right now at this moment in this position. And then everything's a competition. So everything we do, every drill is a competition. There's a winner and there's a loser. And I believe that that's important because there's always a winner in life and there's a loser. And so it might be two push-ups, but there's a consequence. Right. It doesn't matter what it is, to be honest no. with you. It doesn't. No. Sometimes the loser has to say three nice things about the winner. I swear to God. Yeah. It doesn't really matter as long as there's a winner and a loser. Um, yes. Yeah. I, the, the competition part is so important. I agree. Consistency. This is, in my belief, one of the most important parts of a coach's uh, repertoire is consistency. Uh, our practices will reflect gameplay. Okay. So hold on. I'm going to dive into this a little bit because I've been doing a lot of practice stuff. So what do you mean by that? Um, so... The intensity that I expect my players to play at in a game is the intensity that I expect them to practice at. If they feel like they're God's gift to a drill, and so they're going to half throttle through it, they're going to probably hope they didn't do that. Uh, really, it only takes one time, um, and then they realize, yeah, that's probably not a great idea. A lot of that goes, a lot goes with that as well, is communication. All of the parts that we've, we've already talked about, communication, 
I expect that in our practice, we're going to be communicating. It's such um, a, it's such a, such a skill they're not good at too. Oh, yeah. yeah well, it's so bad. And it, like I tell my post guys, Hey, is there a chance that I could get you to text the, the wing and let yeah, him know? Yeah, no. How do you, so I'm going to jump into practice because it seems like this is a, you're talking about a little bit here how do you practice plan like when and where and how so um i every practice i have is script is scripted okay um there's some fluidity in it but everything's done with the time and when do you uh, do it in a day when do you do your practice plan oh when i do i do my practice plans first thing in the morning first thing in the morning okay because yep. i'm always asking different coaches if you could only pick three things at practice to do what would they be fundamentals defense intensity those would be the three things okay and how long do you tend to go so i i broke it down the way that i do a, a practice we're allowed three hours in the beginning okay uh, maybe the first couple of days during tryout will go that long but typically i want to I want them in and out in two and a half hours. No individual drill will ever go longer than 12 because I believe that they'll lose their attention. Do you use your clock during practice? Let me back up. It depends on the team because there are teams that I've coached that look up at that clock and think, oh gosh, I only have this much longer to do right. this drill. And so I've turned it on and I've turned it on. Yeah, I get that. Do you have any, do you have any hints for, for transitions between drills? So um, I, I don't allow any walk. Everything's a jog to the next drill. Okay. Um, uh, and then what I do is I have different, so I have my captains on the team. They're the transition makers between drills. So it's, it's up to them to determine the, the speed at which we're going to get into our next drill. Okay. Okay. So I share my practice plans with my captains. That's why I do it in the morning because I give it to them before they go to school. So that way they've got it. And they know when we get to practice, this is what we're going to do. And this is what, my, what is expected of me. Awesome. Great, great so, golden nuggets there. Perfect. Keep going. That's perfect. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Um, so uh, uh, discipline when needed is always with a ball. I'm not a, I'm not the guy that says line up and run suicides, whatever. You can't call um, them those anymore, coach. You can't call oh, them those anymore. You'll get sued. Yeah. They're fun runs. I call them fun runs. But yes, fun runs, yes. yes. We do fun uh, runs with the ball too. I, yeah, we always do. Yeah. So uh, everything's with a ball. Um, I believe that I don't want them to hate any aspect of it. Right. And again, I don't, I've learned or I feel I don't have to have excessive discipline. Uh, it just has to be something to get their attention back and say, right. I'm not playing with this. Let's go. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be where I have the whole team do two push. I have called a timeout when I've been in a game. I've called a timeout and we've done the fun runs in a timeout for a minute right there. And the other team's going, holy cow, that guy's crazy. But you know what? All of a sudden we started rebounding. Right. We're down 15. We won the game by 12. And I never had to do it again. And so, um, again, that's being consistent, I believe. Our, our drills will be competitive with intensity. So, uh, I, again, there's a winner, there's a loser, and I expect that you're going to give me 150%. So intensity in that in that mindset is 150 Some people yeah. will say, well, isn't 100 the measuring mark? Yeah, if you want to be average. I'm not okay with that that means uh that means that you're uh you're just getting by and then we'll be purposeful about finding something each player does right so for me that's key there's a lot at least in some of the schools that i've coached in i like i was telling you before i had five homeless kids on one team they they get told enough what they do wrong right and and i felt like for that instance, discipline through success, great way to change their mindset. Every practice, we're going to find something that all of our players are doing right. We're going to congratulate them. 
Because when you get into that point where you're going to have to chew their butt and it's going to happen, they respect it because they know you come from a place of love versus a place of arrogance. It's parenting. I want. I'm okay. at my son, but he knows at the end of the day that he, I'm not kicking him out of the house. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Point of love. Right? Yes. I agree. Yeah. So charisma. Uh, for, and the definition of charisma is a rare personal quality attributed to leaders who arouse fervent popular devotion and enthusiasm every practice. So people would say, well, do they have to be leaders? Everybody in life is a leader. Whether you're a leader in the moment, you're a leader in your home, you're a leader, you're a leader on the chess table, you're a leader in sports. Everyone should be built to be a leader, to be competent enough to be a leader. Um, I believe it is important to help each player have the confidence to build charisma. I like the little shake and bake on a basketball court. I like it if you're going to step in and come back have a step back and smile right i like that your eyes are up you're seeing everybody on the floor and you're not doing it to be arrogant i'm okay with it right i think it i think it's confident i believe that if you have the five c's you have what these kids love to call basketball swag in their term basketball swag they're basically saying that they believe that they're the toughest the quickest the strongest best player on the court i'm okay with having five kids on the court that believe that I'm okay with having five kids on my I, 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 We refer to it as you got street cred. You know, do you have any yes. street cred? You know, because yep. I got, I teach some pretty tough kids, and it's like if you got street cred, you got, you know, Michael okay. Jordan's got street cred. You know, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that last answer. That's a story. Though. I, I've Thank only, God, I, yeah, that's a whole different story. I've only watched four of them. So don't, I mean, I lived it, but I've only yeah. watched four. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, um, it's like having a gallon of ice cream and saying that's all I get. I'm trying to slowly eat it over time. So enjoy it <laughs> right. For a longer period. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, confidence without arrogance is key to mental toughness. So um, I believe that you have to have the confidence, but you don't have to have the arrogance. And if you can understand the difference between the two, that's what's going to keep your men or be key to driving your mental toughness and win those close games. Mental toughness is what's going to win the close games in my opinion. It is. It's, it's, that, it's that foxhole test, baby. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. I believe that we can never, ever, ever stop learning. And so, right? Yeah. And so it's important that we, we receive and we share, I believe, as coaches, things like the books that I put on the slide in front of you not with only each other as coaches, but with our players. We start out in the fall with a book that we're going to read as a team. And when they come to practice, they have a notebook. So every kid in our program has a, has a three ring binder and they'll have notes from practice. They'll have keys to the plays that they'll write down after practice. And we're constantly looking at those every practice and every practice, they have to have their three ring binder. With. The reason for that is it's no different than any than any uh, uh, class that they have in school. They're going to have a book that comes with it. Our basketball program is going to have a book that comes with it. And for me, that's one of, you know, being in an open district and having so many successful players come to our program, it was key that people understood that there was going to be accountability. There was going to be love. There was going to be teaching and there was going to be training. And I'm a big fan. And, That's a Bobby Knight steal, but I'm a big fan of the notebook. Even though I don't oh, yeah. use it every day, even though uh, self-reflection, I think that's a huge, you know, it's yeah. not the 
you go on Amazon, you can buy 15 of them for next to nothing, but yeah. It's oh a, yeah. And that's, and, these are all good. These are all good books too. I've read all three of these. These are all really good books. Yeah. I, I got a, I got that from Bobby tonight off a of, show that show coaching you. I think it was on ESPN anyways. Um, uh, because again, if you're not a student of the game, the game will pass you by. Right. And, and Pat summit was big on that. Um, if you can't handle my expectations of you and the way that I'm going to coach you, because I am going to coach you hard, then you just as well walk out those doors right now. That's what I believe is is uh, important. And so uh, I would encourage you guys to always be a student of the game. Yep. And then then there's my uh, there's my yeah, contact. I'll put all so the people that are people are driving or jogging or doing exercise. I'll put all this stuff in the show notes so you can get a hold of coaches, Twitter handle, and all that stuff. Awesome. Okay, coach. Um, I have some questions for you now. Now it's my turn. All okay. right. So coaching philosophy, give me your coaching philosophy in paragraph form, not in book form, in paragraph form. Very good. I believe that I'm going to be a leader and a developer, developer of young men. It's first and foremost, my mission to see young players be better in life than they are at the game of basketball. But while doing so, I have the opportunity to help them create memories that they're going to be talking 40 or 50 years from now. So. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down. Like I say, um, tell your friends. That would be a good thing. Yeah, sell it. Share this on social media. And then also go over and check out teachweeps.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. They will. Uh, for me, that's my philosophy is, okay. is developing the next generation. Uh, what do you look for in a player? I look for a can-do attitude. One thing that's not allowed for me in practice is the word can't. I don't allow it. Okay. And so uh, if they have a can-do attitude, they're coachable. What's, uh, what's the biggest challenge you have as a coach? Uh, parents. Uh, <laughs> There's a Bobby That's, Knight quote. The best, yeah. the best coaching job is at an orphanage. That's the Bobby. Yeah. Knight. And I was sharing that with my wife because she was right. like, why would he say that? Well, because really you don't have to uh, deal with parents. And kids what haven't I found changed. Is, kids haven't changed. Parents have changed. Kids haven't changed. Parents have changed. Yeah. The kids don't change at all. No. And realistically, I found when you set the bar, you can set the bar as high as you want to for any kid. They're going to get there as long as you provide them the belief and the tools to get there. Now I they agree. might think that they can't meet those when they get to the dinner table at night, but they come back to practice and realize they still have that opportunity. And uh, so, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, how do you defend ball screens? Depending on the, the strengths and the qualities of the team. Um, I, I like to fight over the top. I want to, I, I want to stay mono a mono if we're in a, in a man's set. And why? There's some, there's a few different reasons for it. One is resiliency. Um, especially uh, early in the season, I want to, I want to, uh, again, reinforce the fact that they can defend anybody one-on-one -on -one they choose to do. And if, okay. when they choose not to do it, they're going to go under. That's the biggest from some from guys that from someone that's coached guys in the NBA all the way down to like division three guys. It's all about if you can defend the ball. Like if you can't, def that's the difference between a D three guy and a D two guy or a D two guy and a D one guy is really whether they can defend the ball. There's some foot yes. speed, some size issues, but you can't, I mean, 
you don't play a lot of zone in the NBA. You got to be able to defend the ball. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. if you can't, you got some issues. Um, yeah. What, uh, let's dive here. I love this question. I always ask this question. Um, so is there one moment in your coaching career that would be beneficial for the listeners to listen to a, a, a success, a failure, something that would be a teachable moment to the listener? Absolutely. I, I love that question, actually. Um, I have, don't think I've ever been asked it uh, before. <laughs> well, uh, and that'd be, a great inter- that'd be a great interview question. Uh, it would be. It would be. For uh, people listening out there. Uh, the reality is, is uh, so we're in a district game down uh, 15 going into half uh, against a team we had beat twice earlier in the season. And I come into the uh, locker room and I absolutely, we're doing push-ups at halftime because I don't even know what to say right, right. at this point. Right. I'm thinking, I got to think through this and I got to, I got to talk myself through this frustration. And it was frustration based on lack of try, lack of heart uh, of doing the little. And so uh, I came out of there and I was beyond intense. Well, this team comes back and it was a colorful halftime discussion. And uh, this team comes back and they win. And uh, one of the things, the player, one of the players after the game, his mom came up to him and said, wow, what did coach say to you at halftime that turned you guys around? And he said, mom, you like coach, right? And she said, well, yeah. He said, let's leave it at that. And so we went to practice and I heard that from another player who was telling me it, thinking that, Ha ha ha. Right. Right. But it was a smack upside the jaw for me because I thought that's not good. That's not, that's not, who you, want, that's not who you want to be represented as. Yes, exactly. And right. so although we got the win, the win isn't the most important piece of coaching in my opinion. No, uh, it's, it's in 20 years, are they going to look back on at me and say he was a good coach or is he going to have stories like many of us have like, good God, I'm just thankful I survived it those four years in this program. And so it was important for me to understand this uh, and sorry for the long explanation. On this. No, this is great important for me to understand or me to, to embrace this and understand it. It's okay to fail because failure builds opportunity. And what this, what that did to me was created an opportunity for me to come into the practice the next day with my entire staff there. They had no clue I was going to do my entire team there, all levels, varsity, JVC and whatever you have to politically correct the other, right. all the other team now. Uh, we had four teams. Uh, but I walked into that, uh, into the gym and I said, before we start practice tonight, I want to do one thing. I want to apologize because I was out. Of- I was in that locker room at halftime. It might have motivated you guys, but fear shouldn't be your motivator to win. You guys came out of that locker room with fear on your mind. And that's not okay. I'll tell you what, right then and there, everything changed for me. Still gives me goosebumps to this day. Everything changed for me then because then I was accountable to them. Right. They understood I was real. Right. And, and several years past that now, one of my assistant coaches at the time came up to me and he'd been in a few other programs now. He said, the one greatest thing that I've learned was that moment in time when you did that, you created relationships, you built relationships that will forever last a lifetime. Right. That was a, that was a, that was a teachable moment. You've run businesses. I've run businesses. My brother's run million dollar, but I mean, he runs like a huge venture capital company right now. And, and before he got to that point, he had a lot of failures. Trust me. Like, you know, 
Bill Gates did not be, I mean, you know, Bill Gates might not be the greatest example, but you know, there are a lot of failures in Apple. There's a lot of failures in Amazon. There's a lot of failures in all these guys before they actually reach what they got to. Um, yep. And it's the same in life. You know, I've, I've failed as a coach lots of times, but I've learned from every one of them. So hopefully I don't do it again. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great, you're not going to know true success. You're not going to know true leadership until you've tasted failure. Yeah, and it's it's that growth mindset. It's it's the it's the thing people are talking about, but it's true. It's like you learn from that stuff. The, the, you, as long as you're not blaming people. Um, what do you think the biggest change in basketball has been last twenty I, years, fifteen years? I think that the biggest change in basketball has been the commercialization of basketball. It uh, it be, has become so commercialized that it, uh, I don't think you'll ever take the life lessons and the build, the bonds and the building of all of that away from the game. But they've added a level of flamboyancy that I think could easily be removed from the game and still be a quality product. Oh, I think so, too. Um, all right. So I'm going to do my rapid fire. So these are like one. Uh, they're just tend to be quicker, quicker questions. So uh, hold on. I got to get I don't I'm getting older and I don't have I, I'm, I'm denying my readers at this point. I'm denying I need them. But right. Um, <laughs> for all the old people out there, they can they can they can. Uh, sympathize with me um if you could change one thing about basketball what would it be and why i would uh get it back to believing in each other and believing in the people okay hey, what's your favorite brand of basketball literally the ball you play with uh Baden, because it has a great contour to the leather and it's got when you're because i spin the ball in my in uh, off the floor when it and i'm always looking for the lace and it's just got a great feel on, on the lace okay you're one of the few the, that, that that has probably gotten the least amount of votes of anybody I've asked. Is really? That, yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the Seriously. loser at this point. A lot of rock, a lot of evolution, a lot of Spalding. So I'm just, yeah, just, that's good. That's why I asked the question. Um, one word to describe your ideal player. Passionate. If you go to one sporting event in the world, what would it be and why? I would go to a Super Bowl. Okay. And the reason I would go to the Super Bowl is because you have a lot of different people with a lot of different passions and you've got, Two uh, teams down there fighting it out, mono e mono, and it's just a, it, you're going to war. You answered that question fast. That that tends to be one of the harder questions for coaches. That you answered that quicker than most people. So you knew wow. you know what you want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so many. Um, do you have any superstitions? I don't. Okay. I'm not a superstitious guy. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite pregame meal? So I'm a meat and pasta and corn guy. Okay. I'm a steak, pasta, corn. Okay. Um, one skill not being taught in today's game. Uh, toughness, I believe. Okay. One thing you do to relax. Uh, jeep you, to go jeeping. Really? What kind of what kind of motorcycle do you have? I got a Harley. Okay. Good. Then we're done. If if you were <laughs> going to say not Harley, then we we're going to have a discussion. <laughs> if I was, single, I go on a Harley ride every Friday. If I was a so, single, I'd have. If I was single and didn't have any responsibilities, I'd probably. Have you one. have a motorcycle. You don't have a fake motorcycle. I appreciate that. Oh no, no, no. Okay. From Wisconsin guy. All right. Uh, one coaching technique you consider important? Vulnerability. Okay. Best basketball player you have seen in person? Michael Jordan. Ooh, where? I, I saw him when they were playing the uh, Sonics in uh, the conference playoffs. Okay. With, back when he was going against the glove. That was before the night before. Who was, the on the, who was, was that Sigma? Who was on the Sonics at that point? That was uh, the glove. That was so Gary Payton. Okay. Um, the rain man camp yeah i remember that okay gary payton okay i remember that team okay um again old guys talking so just ignore us uh best player of all time michael jordan 
He's got like 99.9% of the votes. Uh, your favorite drill? Uh, Cincinnati eights. Okay. Can you describe that? Yeah. So uh, my players don't always love it, but you start out on the corner of the baseline, you sprint to half court, defensive slides across, sprint to the other uh, baseline, yep. defensive slide across, backpedal, defensive slide, backpedal, block the baseline. And, and what's it called? Cincinnati eight. So you put eight minutes on the clock. And you do that for eight minutes. Well, they got to be dead after eight minutes. Ooh, boy, yeah. yeah. It definitely sets the tone for your season. One of my first tryouts I ever did, I had them do those with folding chairs across the middle of the court. They, and they carried the folding chair. Across oh, my the God. I had 16 kids throw up a tryout. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's, okay. That was a private school, not that a public a school. school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, one thing that helped you become a better coach. Realizing that I had to learn from. Um, best game you've seen in person. Best game that I've ever seen in person was probably um, Portland and San Antonio at the uh, at the Moda Center. Uh, that would have been last year. Uh, okay. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. You know, Wesley time. was, Wesley's my guy. Wesley Matthews, was, I coach Wesley Matthews. You remember Wesley? Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's very cool. Was, That's something you'll never forget. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, I'm yeah. glad he's a buck now. He probably, yeah. I thought they had a chance to win it this year, too. Um, <laughs> don't think they do now because no one's going to no. win it. Um, favorite quote? Uh, favorite quote would have to be, so I, I've, uh, it's, it's a biblical verse, actually, but it's, uh, so it's uh, Psalm 23, 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. No, that's a great quote. Uh, one word to describe your coaching style. Intense. Okay, same as your player. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first one I think that's doubled up. So that's good. Um, best basketball coach of all time? John Wooden. Okay. Uh, you can only pick one book to read or recommend. What would it be? I know you had three on your slide there. You can only pick it'd one. Have to be wooden. It'd have to be Wooden's. Okay. Success principles. Okay. And my last question I always ask every interview is if you could, and you're old enough to, I, I've been talking, I, I had a few coaches that were like in their late twenties. So this question was a little bit harder for me to word, but if you could talk to your younger self, your younger coaching self, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself to listen more and talk less. Amen. No, my that's, that's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> my grandmother used to tell me, boy, Good Lord gave you two ears and one mouth. Shut up and listen. Yeah, I know. It's I wish true. I would have embraced that sooner. Well, and the thing is, I think I think I knew more. I mean, I, as I get older, I feel like I know less. Yes. Like I've like I've coached like seven hundred high school. I don't even know how many high school basketball. Crazy number of high school basketball games. I feel like I've coached two. Like, yep. and but when I was coaching num number one hundred, I thought I was like ready ready to coach against Wooden. Like, yeah, exactly. There's something, there's something with youth that it's like. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah. You, you think you know more than you do is what one of yeah. My... Embrace the drive, but but don't forget about the about the why. So. The why. All right. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you. Thanks for having it. Appreciate all you're doing. Keep doing it, man. I will put everything down in the show notes for the people too. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down. Like I say, um, tell your friends. That would be a good thing. Yeah, sell it. Share this on social media. And then also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day.
Social Podcast Network.